Hi, I'm Sammy. Welcome to episode three of Hey Chef. Today, I'm talking to Chef Jasmine Norton, the owner and chef of The Urban Oyster. Throughout this episode, we learn that Chef Jasmine's parents are her biggest inspiration behind her love of seafood and her entrepreneurial spirit. She also tells us about the steps she took from pop-up events to farmer's markets that led to opening her brick and mortar and how she feels about having the first female and black-owned oyster bar in Maryland. I recorded this episode before the pandemic, which drastically affected the restaurant industry, including the Urban Oyster, which has closed its doors. This is not stopping Chef Jasmine. She is currently gearing up to offer curbside and delivery from a different location. For updates on how Chef Jasmine is handling the pandemic, follow her on Instagram at The Urban Oyster. All right, let's get into the episode. Here is Hey Chef. Hey Chef. Hey. Thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I ate at your restaurant this weekend. I had the char-grilled oysters. I had um, six of them. Mm-hmm. Three of them were the teriyaki. Okay. And then the other three were the... Um, Hawaii oi is that what it was? A uh, volcano, yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry, volcano. But yeah. the volcanoes are yeah, in Hawaii, yeah. so I get it. <laughs> <laughs> and then I had the uh, chicken tea uh, oyster, the raw one. That was huge. Oh my goodness! <laughs> it was really good flavor. Though. Fork and knife. No, I I just shot it. It was still huge though. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So <clears throat> with the chicken tea, they sometimes come out in different sizes just because yeah. they're wild. Uh-huh. Um, there's like no control of you know maturity and the shell and all that stuff. Whereas yeah. You know, like the uh, farm-raised ones, they have a little bit more involvement in the process of how they grow. Yeah, so that was wild? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah that was really, really good flavor. <laughs> thank yeah. you, thank you. Mm-hmm. So how would you describe your cooking style? If I had to, like, compare it for someone to understand what I'm saying, is like mm-hmm. drawing outside of the lines. Okay. Um, just because, like, I, I don't like rules yeah um when it comes to cooking a lot of people to me um especially you know to me sometimes that's the difference between myself as being a self-taught chef Mm -hmm. and ones who are classically trained is that sometimes you get so caught up in the theoretical process that it takes that culinary art Mm -hmm. part out of it and so for me like I don't like rules which is also why I don't like baking um because that scientific and that mathematical you know aspect of it is you know something that I'm not necessarily interested in you know I want to I want to be able to correct you know anything that is not tasting the way that I want it to and I want to be able to figure it out without you know it being because I didn't put enough baking soda or baking powder, so now it's not rising appropriately and it's completely, you know, destroyed at this point. Whereas, mm-hmm. you know, when you're cooking, unless it's just burnt, yeah. it's not necessarily destroyed. It's just kind of yeah. like, you know, you're going through that process of figuring out, like, if it's too salty, let me add something to sweeten it up. Or if it's, mm-hmm. you know, if it's too sweet, let me add some sort of, like, acidic component yeah. to bring it back to that level. Yeah, yeah. So, like, what kind of ingredients do you use in your restaurant? Though we are an oyster bar, mm-hmm. we like to make sure that we're a well-rounded, you know, restaurant. So if someone who is an oyster lover, maybe we're someone who is a vegan or someone who doesn't eat meat or seafood, you know, we don't want them to have to leave them behind to experience, yeah. you know, our cuisine. So, I mean, we have oysters, we have cauliflower pizza, we have uh, local 
um, Angus beef. Um, and so that's one of the things that we pride ourselves on is using local products. Yeah. Uh, just because of how we started and that we're a local small business as well. And so any way that we can find it to incorporate into our operation to use local products, you know, we do so. But as far as our flavors in general, the reason and how I came up with the flavors is because of the lack of people liking oysters. Um, mm-hmm. And so... You know, I was already kind of like kind of dealing with the whole concept of people having textural complexities with the oysters. So let's cook them. Okay. Uh Now, not only uh, cooking is not the only thing that's going to get people to like oysters. So, you know, by like taking on like this New Orleans tradition of doing char grilled oysters, Uh I was like, let's create and build oysters that have ingredients that people are already familiar with, that they eat already. Like on wings. Exactly. Like wings, like fries, like burgers. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, on fries, we eat loaded fries with cheese, with cheddar (laughs) cheese and bacon and barbecue sauce, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Or like our teriyaki one, like those are are ingredients you will find in like Asian cuisine. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, whether, and sometimes maybe even on pizza or something like that. Um, So... Basically, taking something unfamiliar and, and meeting it where familiarity, you know, comes into play. Yeah. Um, to me, that was a way to be able to kind of, like, get people to at least give it a try because it mm-hmm. does have things that they're familiar with on it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. What exactly is the concept behind the Urban Oyster? It was, like, a number of things kind of, like, all happening at once because at the time that I was kind of, like, like finding um or developing the urban oyster the riots here was taking place Mm. and i kind of uprooted i moved to new york and you know i i found myself like not only ready to move because of the riots but also moving because i couldn't find satisfaction in my job and so Mm -hmm. you know i was constantly changing my position constantly changing my my geographical location Mm -hmm. and so then i found myself in new york in which they have a huge food culture and just culture in general. I mean, I would go to this thing called Smorgasburg every Saturday um, in Brooklyn, and it was amazing. And so what gave me the courage to actually go through with the Urban Oyster, I mean, because I had been cooking for quite some time, um, just from, you know, learning how to cook from the women and the men in my family, Mm -hmm. as well as, you know, my current occupation at that time, I worked in hospitality, so I was always surrounded by chefs and things like that. But what really gave me my push was going to Smorgasburg because if not 100%, just about 100% of those chefs who were featured at this big, massive event every Saturday mm-hmm. were self-taught chefs. Yeah. And so that gave me the courage to know that it was something that was like tangible to go there and see these people coming up with, like, these creative concepts. I mean, they were people selling ramen burgers. Like, literally, <laughs> the ramen was the the beef, the bun for the for the, for the the burger. Mm-hmm. Um, just all types of sort of, like, like, eclectic, like, food trends that people were, like, standing in long lines for and mm-hmm. just coming out every Saturday to support. And so that's what that event... Um, just going there is what really like solidified that this was something that was possible for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so once I kind of like found that carriage, mm-hmm. I was like, I want to go back to my city yeah. because these are the things that we need. You know, this could be my small contribution to Baltimore. And so we started doing farmers market, you know, a smaller 
concept of what Smorgasburg is. But, you know, even to this day, if you were to come up to our tent at a farmer's market or a festival, you know, it's high energy, Mm -hmm. loud music, fun, a good time. And so I just felt like, you know, in addition to finding fulfillment in myself, that Mm -hmm. in the midst of that, you know, it's, like I said, a small contribution to, like, giving people a good feeling instilling positivity you know in my city and things like that by way of food by way of positivity you know good music good energy um and so that's kind of like full circle like how it all came to be yeah so you mentioned your dad yes um it seems like you have a great relationship with him absolutely my dad is awesome by the way uh (laughs) (laughs) um he is a lifesaver in so many ways but my dad is He's not like a fisherman by occupation, but mm-hmm. as far as my love for seafood and things like that came from my dad and my family and things like that. That's just, you know, how he grew up. Like, I know how to fish. Like, I know how to scale a fish. Like, mm-hmm. all this sort of stuff. What do you remember from those early moments about eating oysters with your dad? I can definitely tell you that the first time I definitely was not into it <laughs> because for the same reasons that nobody else wants to try oysters Uh this is the same reluctancy I had and he's like come on you know try it do it for daddy (laughs) blah 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 and so he's like okay 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 this is what I'll do I'll put like all this hot sauce (laughs) I'll put like all of this lemon juice on it some cocktail sauce Uh and you won't even he said don't chew it just swallow it so I'm like oh my god (laughs) but it's just one of those things, like, and, and this is just in life, like, you know, when you are in a in an unknown situation, like, mm-hmm. you just got to try it, you yeah. know what I mean? Because you don't know what's on the other side of that, mm-hmm. and so... Um, Adventurous. Exactly. I mean, just starting this business came from just trying it. So, is your mom your business partner? I thought I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and your dad inspired you, obviously. You love oysters. So can you tell us a little bit about your parents? Absolutely. So <clears throat> mostly your mom because we you already talked about your dad, but yeah, yeah. So my my parents have always embodied entrepreneurship. Um and yeah. so I think whether I wanted to accept it or not, that may have been the direction that I've always gonna was you know, meant to go into. My mom has been a cosmetologist well before I was born and always owned her own, you know, hair salon and things like that. Same with my dad. My dad works for um, Maryland Transportation Authority, but my dad, same thing. Both of my parents come from the cosmetology industry, so my dad is a master barber, my mom is a, is or a retired hairstylist, and so I knew that that was not what I wanted to do <laughs> because there was enough of us, in, in, well, enough of my family members in that. I mean, when I tell you, like, my aunt... This is a licensed cosmetologist, also retired. My godmother, her twin, like, my mom's best. Like, it's just crazy. Like, I'm like, okay, enough of you guys do hair. I don't even need to know how to do my own. Like, <laughs> so um, I knew that I didn't want to do that. Mm-hmm. But I think the spirit of entrepreneurship was always in me because of me watching my parents have, you know, you know, long-lasting, sustainable careers working for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and kind of like drawing, drawing and controlling their own destinies and futures. Um, and for a long time, I always said that I don't want to have my own business. Like, I want to be in charge of someone else's, like have a high position in someone else's. But 
then that takes that creative aspect that's deep down within me away from it because, you know, I I don't know, maybe I have like slightly control issues, but like <laughs> like I want to be able to execute the creative things that come into my mind but if mm-hmm. i'm going according to the rules and policies of someone else's dream yeah. i can't implement my own mm-hmm. um and so i think that that individuality and you know those sort of thought processes come you know just from watching you know my parents come into their own be their own and you know be entrepreneurs um and so th- those are great things that i've Definitely learned from my mom, of course, learning how to cook. My dad is a great cook, too, but, mm-hmm. you know, but my mom's food and cooking and all of those things and her guidance is what really gave me my chops. <laughs> so, like, what did she teach you how to cook? Oh, my goodness. My mom has taught me how to cook everything. <laughs> like, yesterday, we were uh, doing brunch, and so she's like, you know I can cook, right? I was like, <laughs> I said, Mom, I know you can cook. She was like, no, but seriously, you know I can cook. I said, Mom, you taught me how to cook. Like, I get it, right? So I think she said it because I told her. I was like, yeah, you taught me how to cook? I was like, but I've exceeded you. <laughs> <laughs> so I, that's like she she felt like a little like intimidated. She was like, you know I can cook, right? So you know how I can find out if you still can cook? Like, if you actually cook. <laughs> like, bring some things to the restaurant, like... For me to have for dinner or something <laughs> um but yeah my mom she taught me everything like how to cook like even the smallest things and she taught me like improvisation mm-hmm. like when you don't have something or when you're working with like a little bit like yeah. how to make like a gourmet meal out of that what were the steps leading up to the urban oyster uh <laughs> the steps wow um <laughs> So I don't know if you guys follow our Instagram page, but I always say that I got it, that I got to where we are now, like in the mud. And when I say the mud, I I mean like very humble beginnings Mm -hmm. Um, because, I mean, first of all, to get someone to believe in what you have to offer, one, you have to first believe it yourself, that what you have is good, what you have is strong, and something to seek after. Um, and so that was that was the the first hurdle. You know, I'll never forget wanting to do a pop-up at our house. And they were like, well, you know, we want you to be successful. I mean, they weren't saying anything that didn't show, like, true concern for our success. But they're like, mm-hmm. oh, we want you to be successful. Maybe you should do a farmer's market first, build a small following, and then you can come back and do a pop-up. You know, we want us to be worth your while. We want you to be able to basically make the rent. Like, <laughs> and like, isn't this the point of the pop-up? Like, but in that... I was like, I want this, I want to do this, and they're going to give it to me. Um, and so basically, I I just would show up to our house once a week, and I wouldn't what say... Is our house? So our house is a food hall in, like, the Remington neighborhood mm-hmm. of Baltimore, and it's uh, basically like an eatery in a sense, and then so they have stalls with different types of okay. cuisines or whatever, and so they have this one pop-up stall. Which is completely dedicated to businesses to be able to kind of, okay. you know, gain some more visibility or, mm-hmm. you know, 
any anything you know if they don't have a brick and mortar they typically come there to kind of like showcase their food and things like that so you know i really wanted to use that platform because i mean they have tons and tons of people that come in there and so as it gets closer to the weekend even more people show up and you know i grew up not far from there um in east baltimore and you know there's a place that was it's on 29th street in baltimore just I guess that's still considered Remington. It was called Sterling's. Mm -hmm. And so I remember, like, when I would get out of school and that elementary school, like, my mom or my dad would take me to Sterling's and we would get codfish cakes on saltine crackers with a little (laughs) mustard on, like, the little paper boats. (laughs) Um, And so, you know, where our house is in the surrounding area was really near and dear to me because I grew up there, you know, in that house you know, not far from there is when I had my first oyster and things like yeah. that nature. So, you know, it was it was very important to me that I could be in that space um, and, you know, showcasing our, our product. Um, but anyway, I would go to our house, like, maybe once a month. Like, you know, anytime I would come home from New York, I would come there. Because mm-hmm. uh, when I started the business, I was, one, still in New York, in the process of coming back, and I still worked for this corporation. So I would come there every weekend um, when I would drive home, and I would go there, and I wouldn't say anything anymore to them. You know, they stated how they felt about it, and Mm -hmm. I left it at that. that. So I would just go there and eat at different places each time, and they would see me each time. (laughs) And then it got to the point where they're like, this girl is determined, (laughs) right? Uh, I'm a very persistent person, like, just that's just like my nature um so I think it got to the point where like they truly believed like that I wasn't taking over an answer um but they came to me and they were like you know what let's schedule a tasting um so we did a tasting blew them away and you know from then on we did seven pop-ups there um yes seven pop-ups um and then we started doing farmers markets and then we started doing festivals like artscape uh, which is a major annual festival that happens in, like, the Mount Vernon community um, in July. Another one that's major is, like, Light City, mm-hmm. uh, which is at the Inner Harbor here in Baltimore. We did the African American Heritage Festival. The first year it went back to where it originated, in Drew Hill Park. Mm-hmm. So, you know, kind of like doing those things, like festivals and, you know, an abundant amount of pop-ups at our house and just kind of like going to these different communities in Baltimore kind of established our following for us. Yeah, so, and while we were at your restaurant, you were talking a little bit about, you were kind of like struggling about calling yourself a chef. Can you talk about that? Yeah, um, I kind of started off with like a complex of not feeling worthy of accepting the title of chef you know Mm -hmm. you know most people out of respect you know for my craft and my business would call me chef and every time they did it it made me cringe because you know I felt like I hadn't been in the industry longer you know in so many ways certain people who had been in the industry longer who felt like and were classically trained kind of made me feel like I didn't deserve, you know, that title. But I have put in hard work and dedication. Yeah. You know, what people see on Instagram is only 
a fraction of what I deal with as a business owner, as a chef. I mean, I believe to myself now, not necessarily to our consumers or our followers or anything like that, but to myself, I know that I've put in the work to accept the title of chef. Yeah. Well, I think it's important to know just briefly that um, the steps that I took and the steps that I had in mind, like the order in which I had in mind to do so, got totally interrupted. When I when I relocated back home, um, I discovered um, from, like, symptoms when I went to the emergency room that I had a fibroid tumor, um, mm. which is something that women deal with, um, that was the size of a grapefruit. Um, and oh so it was taking a lot of blood from me and mm-hmm. I had to have basically like emergency surgery. So this was like after I registered the business and was readily ready to go like full on with with starting it and you know like going doing farmers markets and even that pop up at our house. Um so I had to have surgery and in the beginning the steps I took was from a marketing perspective. Um I would have my parents um basically execute the recipes that I came up with mm-hmm. and they would cook them I would like basically be like a like a like a stylist for the little picture that I was going to post on my page and mm-hmm. like put this cilantro here put this <laughs> lime there and all that kind of stuff like no drizzle the sauce like this dad um, <laughs> <laughs> because I wasn't supposed to be on my feet so uh-huh. I was for sometimes when I wasn't supposed to be, but I was determined not to. I looked at the obstacle of not starting the business like I wanted to, like when someone is going to college and they say that they're going to take a semester off. Like I knew that if I took a semester off or this time off in recovery, that I was never going to you know that the urban oyster was never going to happen so I had to find a way that it would still happen but that it wasn't detrimental to my health so luckily like I said you know I was staying with my parents at the time you know my mom and my dad would cook my recipes for me and I would post pictures you know and I would you know I started off following my friends at first and I we had like maybe like 200 followers from like high school and some co-workers (laughs) and things like that and then people really started to catch on you know um and so after that, I came out of recovery in April, um, and I was able to host my first event in Towson at this old bistro called Truffle Butter. And, you know, my family and friends and a couple strangers came, and, like, the awesome part was someone from the uh, Baltimore Office of Promotion and Arts, in which they are the people who um, facilitate Artscape and Light City and, you know... Um, even that the historical market under 83 that we have. Um, and so he came to my very first event, and that was where it all started. Um, you know, I had already reached out to them, you know, and though I had been denied for the market that particular, you know, inaugural, I guess, year of the Urban Oyster, he had he was able to experience what I had put on paper in the application, like we're doing this and this and this. And so he got to taste that. And so though we didn't get into the market, we got into Artscape our very first year. And so the steps were just kind of like proving ourselves, just putting out, put, putting it out there anyway, even with the nose, even with the reluctancy. 
Uh, we started off doing the Fells Point Farmers Market, and you know, people would kind of like catch the wave from there, and then from there we did our our house, and you know, just trying to like travel throughout different communities and parts of the city, so that there was no stone left unturned as far as the different communities that we went in to expose ourselves and you know basically offer what we were cooking up Mm -hmm. when you're talking about um all the communities in baltimore have you found a lot of support from other business owners definitely um baltimore's food scene is unlike fathomable like the support that we show one another I mean I have a group of chefs you know um, that's called the Baltimore Chef Alliance and we have a group chat I mean we talk about food we talk about our family matters we help one another like if someone is unable to do a catering job or something like that you know we'll post it in there because you know, we'll turn it down for whatever schedule conflicts, but we want our next, you know, yeah, you know, group of chefs to be able to possibly, you know, benefit from that opportunity. Um, you know, when we first opened, I had two of my friends, also chefs, helping us because it was so busy that I I couldn't prep, you know, by myself and things like. I mean, it's really like a family. So I also read that. That you have the first woman-owned and black-owned oyster bar in Maryland. Congratulations on that. <laughs> Thank you. So how do you feel about this? I feel... I feel several ways. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's an amazing thing. I feel like I'm happy that it's no longer the first. But I also feel like maybe it will grow, you know, a a, yeah. a bigger presence of a male-dominated situation yeah. or industry that women will have the courage to, you know, break into those sort of industries. Not even just, you know, food, but... Yeah. It's 2020. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. But, I mean, it's amazing. Um, you know, the reason why I did it is because I knew, you know, I would be the first to do it. Um but I felt like it was necessary because yeah. um, most people, I mean, even still to this day, if, unless they've read about us or went on the website, like they assume that I'm an, an employee. Mm. Um, and I found it's flattering, but, you know, it speaks to the fact that it is 2020 and you shouldn't yeah. assume that a man owns the space. Mm-hmm. So we were talking about the Baltimore food scene. Uh, what are your, some of your some of your favorite restaurants? Oh man, um, some of my favorite restaurants definitely always local because <laughs> that's just what it is. Uh, McDonald's. No <laughs> sir, no sir. I don't even know the last time. Um, <laughs> um, but also I'm pescatarian, so McDonald's oh, okay. only has like literally one option for me. And, um, no, no thanks. But um, so right now, because of the, the, the season, like, I love me and you noodle bar. Like, yeah. the ramen, oh, my goodness. Like, I couldn't even, yeah. I had to put myself on, like, a fast from them because, <laughs> like, I feel myself gaining weight. Um, another place. I love our house. Like, I love our house. Um, the fact that I can, like, have 
tacos one day and then have a poke bowl another you know like I love our house I love the community feel not even just because I've done so many pop-ups there but like you know any given day I can see you know someone I know like I mean I see my friends in the industry there like having meetings or you know whatever um doing work there um so I love that what else I love I recently went to Orto which is in Station North it's like a an Italian restaurant it's mm-hmm. amazing I love the food market in Hamden I also love the art house pizza in Hamden mm. really really good um they have like this french onion pizza that's out of this world <laughs> When I when I do want to have a good cocktail, um, I love Topside, which is inside of the Hotel Revival in Mount Vernon. They have like one of the best old fashions. Mm. But you wouldn't know anything about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, um, those those are kind of like my go tos. Have you been to Forged Eatery? I have not, not just yet, but I follow them. You know, um, we definitely share hearts on Instagram and things like that. Um, I know they have not long ago opened like off of like Chestnut and the 36 or the street or the avenue. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm interning there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite thing to cook there? Um, so I played a lot there. Oh, awesome. And um, I also, I do the oysters as well. They're really good. Nice. Yeah, nice little remoulade on top. Nice. Sometimes some bacon jam on top. Wow, are they fried or? Fried. Or, okay. Yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm. That sounds good. Do you shuck? I don't shuck, oh. no. <laughs> <laughs> they got to teach you how to shuck. Yeah. <laughs> That's a skill to have. Like, that'll yeah. definitely. Yeah. <laughs> you know how, like, when you go some places and people are like, so what's, like, something that people don't know about you? And be like, I sh- I know how to shuck oysters. <laughs> like okay, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like kind of hard too because you can cut yourself on the oyster shell. Definitely, and, yeah, yeah. I've had my fair share of, of those sort of experiences. Yeah. Um, the funny part is I don't I don't shuck as much as I used to just because mm-hmm. I do have you know a small staff now. Yeah. Um, and also just from doing it for three years straight like Mm -hmm. predominantly by myself up until this point like my wrists are kind of getting a little weak but I I still I still got it (laughs) (laughs) so what does the future hold for you chef Uh, are there any new ventures coming up yes um definitely establishing a stronger footprint both north and south um DC Philly Mm -hmm. also like I was telling you earlier, we're definitely trying to make this pop-up tour happen in fall of yeah. this year. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to hit at least four different cities, you know, Philly, D.C., maybe Atlanta, and one other mm-hmm. um, in the month of November. Um, so hopefully we can find some restaurants in those different cities that we can partner with mm-hmm. just so that we can spread the word about the urban oysters beyond the walls of Baltimore. Yeah. Cool. So can you give me any advice as I begin to build my own culinary career? Yeah, definitely. Um, just believe in your ability. You know what I mean? Like, you know, never like think that you're not able to do something practice 
yeah <laughs> practice like your skills like for me that's kind of something that that I I'm working on myself like on a personal level because I'm so kind of like um accustomed to just constantly cooking what's on our menu mm -hmm. and so now like at home I try to make sure or starting to try to make sure that like I cook outside of the realm of seafood and things like that so that's why I say practice um yeah. but yeah just soak up as much knowledge as you can like a lot of the reason between my my mom and my dad in the industry that I worked in in hospitality just came from having a conversation like networking is very strong getting close with chefs which is what you're doing now <laughs> you know and making those connections like I know a guy who is the exec he is the regional executive chef for a kind of like a, a major like but small business here and he's actually you know never went to culinary school or anything he just worked under some really amazing amazing chefs afforded the opportunity to work at Michelin star restaurants and things like that um and so you know when you show that eagerness and like that willing to that willingness to learn like it, it can really put you you know in some really good spaces so yeah thanks for the advice definitely so can you tell everybody where to find you some plugs Absolutely. So um, you can find us on Instagram at The Urban Oyster and on Facebook, The Urban Oyster, um, or our website, www.theurbanoyster.com. Awesome. Thank you very much for talking to me today and sharing your story, Chef. It was awesome. Th thank you, Sammy. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you very much for taking the time to listen to this episode of Hey Chef. Next week, I will be back with another Baltimore chef, Tourette Thomas. She is the owner and chef of Capera's Kitchen, an elite chef service. She has great stories about the influence of her great-grandmother and how she quit her job to go to culinary school. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at HeyChefPodcast and tell your friends about us. Our website is wypr.org forward slash programs forward slash hey dash chef also we'd love to hear from you so leave us a voicemail message with any questions or comments chefs you'd like us to have on the show recipes food puns jokes whatever we will play our favorite messages on the show our number is 443-738-5205 to see me cook join my sister and i on instagram at Subkate's Cooking or subkidscooking.com. We make recipes from around the world and check out our cookbook on Amazon called Snackcation. This podcast is brought to you by CCBC Student Life's New Media Collective, CCBC's Communication and Media Studies Department, and the Andrew W. Mellon Foundation. Produced by Beth Bonick and her crew of CCBC students, Ashley Metz, Eric Cox, Kalia Merritt, Yasmin Faison, Maggie Brown, Sarah Popkin, Louisa Schaffert, and Aaliyah Olmedo. Artwork by Sammy Bonick and Shannon Design. Theme music by 905 Productions. Thank you to WYPR 88.1, Baltimore's number one news talk station, and WYPR senior producer Bob White for being our studio engineer.